Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Self-Healing with Magic, Magic with a K. I'm Chelsea Swindle, and I wanted to start this podcast to discuss different topics to help people get through life when it comes to healing from a loss of a loved one to any form of childhood trauma. I want to share um, resources with you and help you overcome any limiting beliefs that you may have um, that's holding you back from moving forward to a happier life. We are, um, <laughs> we're just getting started with the fall season. And uh, so the leaves are falling and the colors of the leaves are changing. I have acorns falling. Um, we actually have an acorn tree right above our house. And so acorns are just pouring onto the roof. And so if you hear any background noise, I do apologize. Uh, the tree is going into the next stage of its life. So you're getting the raw and authentic version. Uh, I do not have any special equipment just yet. One day I will. And also, I, I don't know how to edit. So I'm sorry if it's poor quality. You get what you get for now. It's a learning process for me. Um, If you've come across this podcast, then it's not by accident. You know, maybe you feel stuck and unable to get over something traumatic that has happened to you. Or maybe you just recently lost someone that you were close to and can't seem to move forward in life without them. Um, I've, I've been there. I've experienced things as a child that I carried with me into my adult years, and it did some damage that I needed to recover from and heal from. I have experienced loss that I absolutely was sure I would never be able to continue life the same afterwards, which in some way, of course, things were never the same after my loss. Um, I truly believe that things happen for a reason. So if you're listening and want to know how to transform into a better version of yourself and heal from past trauma, then this is for you. So um, let's start. I'm just going to start with uh, telling you guys a little bit about myself. I currently work a full-time job while managing a side hustle called Dark Lily Apothecary. Um, And it's where I make and sell homemade items. I'll uh, put the link in the show notes for you. I opened this shop up in honor of my mother, who recently passed away back in March of 23. I crochet scarves and wraps along with a few other things. I love vinyl work, so I have a few wine glasses and coffee mugs, t-shirts. And I also love, love, love making candles for magical workings uh, to help set intentions for any spell work. And also just making any type of candle, really. I mean, you can just just call me the candle whore. That is totally fine. <laughs> um, I practice witchcraft and I love connecting with nature. I love helping people and inspiring and empowering women to manifest their dreams and heal from their past trauma. I am a wife to a woman and a mother to a son. Now, with all that being said, some are just finding out who I really am because I have never been completely open about my spirituality and not even to my closest friends or family. So if they're listening to this podcast, family and friends, surprise, this is me. This is my coming out season again. (laughs) Um, So here's a disclaimer. I am not a healthcare provider or professional. I do not have a degree in any form. I only go on based off of my experiences, and my goal is to help you have some insight and use the tools and resources I've used that have helped me. This may not be for you, and that's okay, but if you decide to continue listening, um, 
go into it with an open mind. So I'm going to dive right in with this episode. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, this podcast is about several different topics on healing. I wanted to start with loss, and I know that's a little rocky subject, and maybe you're not ready to hear it, but hang in there because this, it does get better, I promise. Uh, Grief, it affects our mind, body, and our spirit. And I'll start with a little bit about my story on loss. Um, My mother... Back in March of 2023, she she passed away very suddenly, and it was two weeks before my birthday. And I just couldn't comprehend any of it. It's just been a very difficult journey with my grief. Um, she was my best friend. We we spoke every single day. We lived about an hour apart from each other, so we didn't get to visit as often. Um, but we, when we could, we did video chat, and it was like every single evening mostly so she could see her grandson. Um, I told her everything, every little secret, every little moment that happened in my day. She knew about it. And now we weren't always like this because she wasn't always there while grow, you know, growing up, but the last 12 years of her life, we were closer than ever. I was happy with our relationship and maybe she wasn't, maybe she wasn't always the best mother and she had a funny way of showing her love, but, uh, I can tell you that she did know how to love. The day she passed away, um, she went into the ER due to having pains near her chest under her left arm. Um, she went to an urgent care a few days before and what she had going on with her, the doctors, they totally overlooked it. I mean, her arm was her, that pain under her arm was hurting her so bad that she couldn't even lift her arm up. Um, they sent her home with medication to help with any inflammation and told her not to pick up anything heavier than five pounds on her left side. So that, I mean, that just goes to show that they weren't really paying attention. I mean, they did an x-ray on her and they saw a shadow on her lungs and they did nothing about that either. <clears throat> so she ends up in the ER They uh, check her vitals and her blood pressure was extremely low, heart rate high, and they immediately admitted her in ICU. And also before, before I forget, uh, she did go to the ER. um, Well, before she went to the ER that morning, we were talking, um, it was actually whenever time was changing and we were spring, we had spring forward and we were like, oh, we didn't sleep very well. And she, um, she's, she said, well, I think I'm sicker than what urgent care said. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she sends me a picture of something that she coughed up and it's going to get a little gory, but, uh, it, it looked like a blood clot. And I told her, I said, you need to go to the ER right now. Something is not right. And, um, So it took her about two hours and the hospital that she was going to is five minutes away. And it took her two hours to get ready because of how bad she felt. Um, So she makes it to the ER. She's there by herself and um, she's, uh, they, they have no idea what's going on with her. You know, they immediately um, put her in ICU and, they ran some tests and they said she had pneumonia and kidney failure. And there goes the acorns. Sorry. 
Um, I knew when she told me that it wasn't good, but of course I was still hopeful because you can, you can come back from both of those things, depending on the severity of what stage, uh, kidney failure you're in and people bounce back from pneumonia after being hospitalized all the time. And I was just, I was very hopeful. It really sounds like someone is walking on my roof right now. <laughs> um, Anyways, I, I go to visit her that same day during visiting hours, and she she's coughing up a lot of blood. They had actually given her two breathing treatments within an hour, and it was breaking everything up. So she was just t coughing up a lot of blood, and the doctors, they can't give me any answers. They can basically just tell me the same thing that my mother had already told me, which was pneumonia and kidney failure. You know, and, and she can't breathe and she's terrified because she doesn't know what's wrong and no one has the answers. And so I'm not getting any answers and my time is up. And so I told her, I said, okay, I'm coming back the next day during visiting hours. I'd like to keep check on you during the night and keep talking to you. Um, because, you know, of course I had to get back to my son for bath and dinner and bedtime and I really, I really didn't think anything bad was going to happen. Um, I mean, I was still hopeful and I just, I felt awful about that later. And so I go home and we text through the evening. Uh, the last time we spoke, uh, it was about 830 at night. And then I sent her another text at 930 an hour later and she never got a chance to read it. And my thought was, okay, she's resting. She'll um, eventually see it and she'll answer me. And my, I was hoping that they would do something to where she could breathe better so she could rest. And so um, the, me the last message that I had sent her, I basically told her how much I loved her and told her that she was going to pull through this and just to keep me posted. Well, later that night, I got a phone call. It was about 1030 and it was my sister, my younger sister, and she um, she actually lived with my mother at the time. And she's just squalling her eyes out and says, something happened to mom. You need to get to the hospital, which is an hour away from me, by the way. So a dear friend of mine and godmother of my son came and sat with my son while he slept so my wife could drive me up to the hospital. And I know all this, you know... All I know at this point is that my mother had to be intubated and they think she might have had a stroke, which I, you know, at that moment, I just, I wasn't okay. I, I did not want to get ready. I did not want to put clothes on. I did not want to put shoes on and get myself in the car to make that trip up there. I, I was terrified. I felt frozen in that moment. I just didn't know what I was feeling. And I think that at that point, I, must, I also might have been in a little bit of shock. Uh, but some of those things I did block out. Um, fast forward, we get to the hospital. It's 2.15 in the morning when I finally get there. And my sister and my aunt are standing outside of the ER. Um, it's, a, it's one of those slow hospitals like the ER. There was nobody there. Um, very quiet. And they're out there. And I had this horrible feeling come over me. And, um, you know, before I say this, like while we were in the car, <clears throat> my sister had sent me a text that said, sissy, I need you. 
and something told me it just wasn't good. And the only thing I could respond with is, I'm on my way. And um, when I walk up to them, my sister said, Mom died. She's back now, but she died. And my aunt said she was gone for four minutes, and, and they brought her back. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, four minutes, four minutes she died, four minutes. Surely she can still pull through this. And we still did not have answers from these doctors about what was wrong with her other than pneumonia and kidney failure. And they've been running these tests and they just can't tell me anything. So I'm, I keep asking the doctor, how does this happen? And all he can tell me is she must have been really sick and didn't know it. And when I go into the room, she's in the bed with the tube and um, she's hooked up to all these machines and I'm just in shock of it all. None of it felt real. I didn't want to believe it and I just felt like it was a nightmare and I know I was in denial as well, but it really felt like a different time. The biggest question that I had through the last few hours of her being here was how and no one had those answers. No one could tell me how this happened. My mother ended up coding six times that morning. And I remember walking down the hallway. Um, my cousin was able to come and stay with us at the hospital. And I, I remember walking down the hallway with her arms locked. And I heard Code Blue coming from the intercom for the last time. And my sister and my aunt took off running down the hallway and I was just dragging feet. And I felt like my cousin was just having to carry me because I just couldn't move fast enough. I had a hard time staying in that room with her and watching her like that. It was just, it was too much for me to bear. And uh, no one wants to see their mother in any, or anyone they love in that shape. And any time that I was in that room... I would walk away, and every single time I walked out of that room, she coded. I was never in the room when she coded. And maybe that was a, a way of being protected and not having to witness that. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but when we finally make it to the ICU area, I get a glimpse of them doing CPR to bring her back, and she just wasn't coming back after that. And the images of it all was just devastating. And, you know, finally, finally the doctor came to me and he said, we've, we've got to make a decision. And my sister, of course, is like, Chelsea, we, we've got to come up. They're, they're in there. They're hurting her. And if you know anything about CPR, you know it's not, um, it's, it's not easy. You end up getting some broken ribs and so which I won't go into any further detail um but I just I couldn't handle it and I'm I'm like okay you know I put my hands up and I'm like okay just stop and leaving the hospital knowing that my mom was no longer here I just didn't know what to do I didn't know what I was supposed to say or do or act I knew of course I had to take care of my son and but what was I supposed to do at this point? Was I supposed to call people? I, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm sitting in my aunt's truck because she's getting ready to drive me um, to her house. And I'm like, where do, where do I go from now? Like, 
everything was out of routine. It was a Monday morning and I was supposed to be getting ready to go to work, not here, losing my mother. And, you know, when my wife brought me, she got to see my mom for maybe 30 minutes and she had to rush back home to be with my son because I don't know about you other moms, but my toddler, he likes to wake up at 5 a.m., bright eye and bushy tail, ready to go to start the day with all this energy. And so my um, my wife had to get back home to him and relieve the godmother to so she could be with her children. So um, when you have kids, you have priorities. So my wife was not there for me when my mom passed. And of course, that's not her fault. Um, but she did finally make it to me. And I know um, when I had to say goodbye to my mom, that was one of the hardest things that I had to do. Uh, the hospital, you know, they they unplugged the machines and took the tube out and cleaned her up and fixed her hair. And so we go in there to say goodbye. And there is this moment of stillness. And I don't know if anyone can relate to this. If you have found someone that's passed away and you walk into the room and you just know um, because I, I have, I did find my great grandmother, um, who, you know, she had passed away in her sleep and that's another story. But anyways, um, it's just a moment of stillness and you just know, you get this feeling that, well, something is missing. And, and so I go in there and my sister, of course, she's on one side, I'm on the other. And my sister is, brushing her hair back and talking to her, holding her hand, telling her how much she loved her. And I'm just standing there over her. And I'm like, I don't believe this. I couldn't even put my hands on the bed. It, it took a lot for me to even, for me to even hold her hand. Like I just, I did not even want to hold her hand and I didn't want to touch her. And uh, so eventually I worked up the courage and I, I, I held her hand and I just cried and I didn't want this for her. I wanted her to pass peacefully in her sleep. I mean, I know sure as hell that's what she wanted. Um, she didn't want to suffer. And she did. Um, and I just didn't want any of this. I didn't want this to be my reality. And when it comes to immediate family, all I had was my mom and my sister. My mom, she wasn't in a relationship with anyone. She was single. And our dads, well, they weren't in the picture. And it was just the three of us. And so losing my mom was just a huge change and adjustment for me and my sister. And I was, I was so mad that she was gone. She was just too young. She, she passed away at the age of 47. And of course, you know, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she passed away from an aneurysm at the age of 44, which come to find out, um, I had spoken to a few other ICU nurses from different hospitals and told them what was going on. And they all told me that sounds like a pulmonary embolism, which is the same thing as an aneurysm, basically. Um, so I had never had an autopsy done because the chaplain of that hospital told me and my sister that it cost 10 grand. And me and my sister did not have that kind of money at the time. So we never really got an the answers that we needed. And we will never know because my mom, you know, she wanted to be cremated. So that's what we did. And we had a memorial for her and everyone showed up, everyone that she worked with, old family and friends, everyone. 
And my mom, she was really loved by many. And me and my sister spoke at her memorial, and which was really difficult for me because I had to pull it together to speak in front of all those people for my mom. And I was in no shape or form to do anything like that. And I, I did it. I did it for my mother. And, um, but I still had that question, how, how does this just happen? I mean, she was fine. And then one day had a really bad pain under her left arm near her chest. And, you know, grief, it comes in many forms and in no order. There are five stages of grief and that's denial, anger, bargaining, pain and guilt and depression. There, yeah, there's no order in that. And you don't always feel all those feelings at um, either, you know. And in fact, I think I actually felt all those feelings at once. <laughs> um, but what really bothers me about this is that I never saw it coming. I really thought that I was going to have her for another 30 to 40 years. So since her passing, you know, I've um, experienced a lot of different things and I felt her presence a lot. Um, I know for sure my son has, and I'm pretty sure that he's come and talked, that she's come to talk to him. And I'll save that story for another day. It's very, uh, I don't see it as creepy. I found it very interesting, but, you know, I've smelled her in a room and uh, I've heard her voice like she was sitting right next to me. And I've had dreams of her. I've even had nightmares where I couldn't save her. Um, I've had I had a nightmare where she faked her own death. And those nightmares were a form of PTSD. And when I had the first nightmare, I was like, damn, I have a long way to go. There is really no time limit on your grieving and like when my grandmother passed away you know my mom grieved for the rest of her life and you know I never even got the chance to ask my mother how she found healing through it all because at the time I was three months old and my mom had just turned 15 when my grandmother passed so my mom got lost in drugs and involved with the wrong crowd and left me to be raised by my great aunt. So it was rough for her. And I'm sure she just tried to forget it all and mask her pain with the drugs. And, you know, as though for me, I was 32 when my mom passed away and my son was two. And I also had my wife there with me for support. She helped take care of my or helped take care of our son. And on the days I couldn't be a mother or even be myself, she was there. My mom, on the other hand, was just a child when she lost her mother. Before my mom passed away, I was deeply involved in my craft. And I did spell work and meditated and manifested and did all the fun witchy things. I loved to paint, so I would paint witchy things and horror themes. I just had so much creativity flowing. Um, I was teaching myself how to play piano again and just loving myself and being my authentic self. I was journaling every day. Um... You know, and I'm I'm a solitaire witch and probably will be until I'm open to be part of a coven. It's just the commitment part. Until then, I'm happy being me and being alone. Um, but when I lost my mom, I lost myself and I forgot who I was and I had to rediscover myself. I couldn't do my spell work. I couldn't meditate because every time I closed my eyes, I would see my mom in the hospital bed. I couldn't focus on my practice. I stopped pulling cards from my tarot deck because I was terrified that they would tell me something I didn't want to know. 
And I stopped journaling because I couldn't put my feelings down on paper anymore. And I just didn't want to feel. And so after um, a month or so from my mom's passing, um, I went to the doctor and I just asked the doctor for help. I needed some form uh, to cope. And, And so I was put on medication And, you know, I wasn't loving who I was anymore. I was angry and not a very pleasant person to be around. I felt my son pulling away from me. And on top of that, I had so much health anxiety due to my mom passing. The what ifs coming in and what if this happens to me? And it would have had, it would have been easier if I had gotten answers about exactly how my mother passed away. Then maybe I wouldn't have been so terrified at the what ifs, but you know, I, I needed the medication. I needed something to help me. And I wasn't eating. I even started getting sick. And I had never been sick this much in such a short time. I knew I had to do something so I could be around longer for my son. And I'm here in the acorns now. And I'm so sorry. Um, anyways, uh, you know, I was very anti-meds and refused to take anything. Mostly because I was afraid I wouldn't be in control of myself. But really, I feel like I am more in control than I was since being on this medication. I started making better health choices when it came to food. And I spent money on a water filter to get clean drinking water. The healing water, I like to call it. Uh, Which, By the way, this filter is amazing. And I can literally drink 30 ounces in one sitting and not feel bloated or sick. So, it's... It's the best thing that I've ever invested my money in. Um, With time, though, um, with time, I started feeling better and realizing I was going to be okay. And having my son to take care of and and focus on him really helped me. And he is what kept me going. Um, But (laughs) when I was dealing with the grief, you know, he would ask me questions like, um, Are you okay, Mommy? Uh, One day he told me, he was like, don't be sad, mommy. It's okay. And even though my heart was broken and I, and it would break every time he asked me that, he was really helping me. And he knew that mommy wasn't okay at the time. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be stuck. And at some point we all have to experience loss and grief. Life really is all about experiences. Whether they are good or bad, they are experiences and it's part of this human life we have. We are just spiritual beings in a human life that spiritual beings and we're experiencing a human life. And, you know, the feeling of love, loss, healing, happiness, trauma, sadness it all teaches us something and we learn from it and we grow from it grief can take years sometimes it never stops but it does get better and we will go through this and you can overcome it you can you you heal on your own time and do not let anyone tell you to move on i cannot stand that phrase get over it or move on but moving forward is something you can do Moving forward to me means, okay, this is something I went through. It's something I will never forget, but I can move forward from it. 
saying the words, oh, eventually she'll get over it or move on just seems a little too harsh for me. I feel as though those words resonate with just forget it happen and suppress those feelings you have. And that is not what you want to do. That is the most unhealthy way. Um, but everyone does handle grief differently. Some seek help from a therapist. Some ignore it and suppress it. Some bury themselves in work, which in a way I did do that. Um, some refuse to talk about it and some can't stop talking about it. For me, I, I was touch and go. Some days I could talk about losing my mom and others. I just didn't want to think about it. But just remember, there is no right or wrong way to your own personal healing. And as I go through this podcast, I will get to the ways you can heal with magical workings. Uh, I am working on a few things that will help you rediscover yourself and move forward in life with self-healing. And I'm so excited. Um, but if you're like me, then talking to a therapist, it never really worked. Um, I did find a way heal to heal through my magic and meditating. And opening up Dark Lily Apothecary was one of those. It really helped me. And I hope through this journey of self-healing, you're able to get to know your higher self. I have so much more to go over, and this is just the start. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of my story on loss, and we will go over some you know, other topics as well and get through this healing journey together. I am almost out of time, but I wanted to leave you with a challenge until the next episode, and I challenge you to get a pen and paper and ask yourself, what version of yourself do you want to be in a year? After losing someone you love, where do you see yourself in a year? You, you're still here for a reason. You have a purpose. Write it down, then fold it up and put it in a safe place. Um, maybe put it in a wooden box and bury it by a tree or in your garden and save it for a time when you've gone through your healing journey and then open it back up and read it. Self-healing is all about growth. You will compare yourself to who you were than to who you are in that moment and see how much you have grown since you wrote down who you wanted to be. And that, that is time. So um, I'm, my goal is to have a podcast out once a week. That may or may not happen. Um, I do have a lot of things going, going on. Um, but I appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Chelsea Swindle. I'm not um, as active as I should be on there, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Anyways, enjoy this day where I'm not sure where you're located, but where I am. The sun is out. It's fall and it's beautiful. Um but I, I hope all of you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Bye, y'all.